Lesson 1 for December 31 through to January 6. The Spirit and the Word. Sabbath afternoon, January 31. Before we start this lesson, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you again at the beginning of a new year. We thank you for all the gifts you give to us, and above all, we thank you for your word, and that we can study it day by day, and week by week, and year by year. And as we do so, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be there to guide and to bless each one of us, and we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we study about the Holy Spirit this quarter, we pray for your infilling and your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Our memory text this week is Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's read that again, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible says the following about itself. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture fulfills this role because it is the Word of God, revealed to humanity through the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit reveals God's will to us, showing us how to live a life pleasing to Him. But the Holy Spirit was operational not only in the distant past, in the origin of the Bible. He is involved with the Word of God in many other important ways even today. And perhaps the most important is our reading the Word and desiring to understand it properly. This is when we need the Holy Spirit. This same Divine Spirit awakens in us the desire to embrace the Word of God and to apply its teaching to our lives. Thus, the Holy Spirit works with and through the written Word to transform us into new creatures in Christ. This week, we will trace the work of the Holy Spirit as it relates to the Scriptures. Before we go any further, I'd like to read the introduction to this series of lessons titled The Holy Spirit and Spirituality. The author of this quarter's lessons is Frank M. Hazel, Ph.D., who was the Dean of the Theological Department at Bogenhofer Seminary in Austria in Europe, where he also is the Director of the Ellen G. White Study Centre. In 2009, his wife died of cancer. Since then, he has learned to trust God's goodness in new ways every day and experiences the comfort, peace and transforming power of the Holy Spirit in his life. He writes, Many of us have heard the words, And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
and if baptized, we surely heard them just before a minister immersed us in the water. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Spirit is mentioned right there with the Father and the Son. And no wonder. The Seventh-day Adventist Church's fundamental belief number five, God the Holy Spirit, reads, God the Eternal Spirit was active with the Father and the Son in creation, incarnation, and redemption. He is as much a person as are the Father and the Son. He inspired the writers of Scripture, he filled Christ's life with power, he draws and convicts human beings, and those who respond he renews and transforms into the image of God. Sent by the Father and the Son to be always with his children, he extends spiritual gifts to the Church, empowers it to bear witness to Christ, and in harmony with the Scriptures, leads it into all truth. End of quote. Nevertheless, as we read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, we see the direct activity and work of God the Father. His actions are everywhere. In the New Testament, especially the Gospels, we read again and again about the work and activity of Jesus, the Son. Jesus, his life, death and ministry in heaven, dominates the New Testament. In contrast to the activity of both the Father and the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit is not as openly depicted in either Testament. But there is a reason for this contrast. The Holy Spirit does not seek to be the centre of attention. He plays more of a behind-the-scenes role. The Father and the Son are more directly revealed in the Word. And that's because the Holy Spirit is there to point us, not to Himself, but to Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. As we study the work of the Holy Spirit, we will see how central he is to our Christian experience. The Holy Spirit, God himself, knows God as no person can. Thus, he reveals God to us in a trustworthy and reliable manner. The Holy Spirit first inspired the Bible writers, and the Holy Spirit today guides us in our study of what he had inspired those writers to communicate. The Holy Spirit gives assurance of our salvation through Jesus Christ, as we read in Romans 8.16, and he gives evidence of God's work in us, as we can also read in 1 John 3.24. The Holy Spirit also cleanses us from sin and sanctifies us. 1 Corinthians 6.11 reads, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. The Spirit produces in us lifelong growth in holiness, bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit within us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, as we read in Galatians 5.22 and 23. Ellen White writes in The Desire of Ages, page 671, The Spirit was to be given as a regenerating agent, and without this, the sacrifice of Christ would have been of no avail. The power of evil had been strengthening for centuries, and the submission of men to this satanic captivity was amazing. Sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead, who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. It is the Spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's Redeemer. That's from Desire of Ages, page 671. 
Because of his crucial role in the lives of believers, this quarter's study will help us better understand the great gift we have in the Holy Spirit. Sunday, January 1, The Holy Spirit and Revelation How does God ensure that His will is faithfully transmitted to fallen human beings? He does this in two major related activities of the Holy Spirit, revelation and inspiration. In the process of revelation, human beings are dependent upon the help of someone outside of ourselves to reveal things to us that we, as created, and fallen beings, cannot know of ourselves. That is, the Holy Spirit teaches us truths that have to be told to us. For example, let's look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God for ever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things and knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Otherwise we could never know them through natural means. Revelation is a process in which God makes himself and his divine will known to humans. The basic idea associated with the word revelation is an unveiling or uncovering, a disclosure of something that otherwise is hidden. We need such a revelation because as finite and fallen beings separated from God because of sin, we are greatly limited in what we can learn on our own. We are dependent upon God to know His will. Hence, we are dependent on God's revelation because we are not God and have only a very limited natural knowledge of him. Question. Read 2 Peter 1, verses 19 to 21. What does this say about the origin of the biblical prophetic message? And what does the divine origin of the biblical message tell us about the authority of the Bible? 2 Peter 1, beginning at verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which we do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. According to the Apostle Peter, the prophetic message of the Old Testament was not of human origin. The prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit in such a way that the content of their message came from God. These men did not create the message themselves. They were merely the vessels of the message, not the originators. 
Peter was very intentional in stressing the spirit-inspired source of the prophecies. Though written by men, prophecy never came by the will of God, he said in verse 21. And it is this divine origin that gives the Bible its ultimate authority over our lives. So to finish today, God used human beings to proclaim his word to the world. How can we be used by the Holy Spirit to do something similar today? Not in writing scripture, but in proclaiming what has already been written. Monday, January 2, the Holy Spirit and Inspiration. Inspiration is the term used to describe God's influence through the work of the Holy Spirit in transmitting His message through human instruments. The work of the Holy Spirit in the process of inspiration is the reason we find a fundamental unity in all of Scripture in regard to truth. As the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. As we read in John chapter 14, verse 17, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And John chapter fifteen twenty six. but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and John chapter 16 verse 13 however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come question read second peter chapter 1 and verse 21 deuteronomy 8 in 18 micah 3 8 and first corinthians 2 verses 9 to 13 what do these texts tell us about the biblical writers and about the god's involvement in the origin of the bible well first of all we'll look at Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Deuteronomy 18.18. 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And Micah 3.8. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. And First Corinthians 2, verses 9-13. to 13. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God." Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, 
but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Being carried along by the Spirit, as Second Peter one twenty one, is a strong affirmation of the work of the Holy Spirit in inspiration. In 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul credits revelation and inspiration to the Holy Spirit. To us, he says, God revealed the hidden things that no eye has seen, which he mentions in verse 9. God revealed them through the Spirit in verse 10. The apostles have received this Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God in verse 12. Then, in verse 13, he moves to the work of inspiration, where he speaks of things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul had no doubt about the source and the authority of what he was proclaiming. While many parts of the Bible are a result of God's direct supernatural revelation, not everything in the Bible was revealed in that manner. Sometimes God used biblical writers in their careful personal investigation of things or in their use of other existing documents, as we read in Joshua 10.13 and Luke 1.1-3, to reveal and communicate his message. Joshua 10.13 reads, So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And Luke 1, verses 1 to 3, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Thus all parts of the Bible are revealed and inspired, as it says in Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is the reason Paul states that whatever was written was written for our instruction, so that through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope, as he writes in Romans 15 verse 4. The God who speaks and who created human language enables chosen people to communicate in human words the inspired thoughts in a trustworthy and reliable manner. As Ellen White writes in Selected Messages, Book 1, page 26, God has been pleased to communicate His truth to the world by human agencies, and He Himself, by His Holy Spirit, qualified men and enabled them to do His work. He guided the mind in the selection of what to speak and what to write. The treasure was entrusted to earthen vessels, yet it is, nevertheless, from heaven. Tuesday, January 3, The Holy Spirit and the Truthfulness of Scripture.
While revelation is the supernatural act by which God reveals truth to chosen human beings, inspiration is the activity of the Holy Spirit that safeguards the truthfulness of what the human authors wrote, so that their words have the full approval of God. God hates false witness, as we read in Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, and cannot lie in Hebrews 6.18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. He is called a God of truth in Psalm 31 verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. And also in Isaiah 65, 16. So that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. In a similar manner, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth in John 14, verse 17. Question. What does Psalm 119, verse 160, teach about anything God reveals to us? Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures Forever. Question. Read John chapter 17, verse 17. What does Jesus say to us here about God's word? John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. It is not our task to sit in judgment over Scripture. Scripture, rather, has the right and the authority to judge us. For, as it says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Though, of course, the Bible was written by those living in specific times and places and cultures, how could it have been otherwise? We should not use that fact to water down or dismiss the message of the Bible to us. Once that door is opened, the Bible becomes subject to humans and to their determination of what is truth. The result is that many people, while claiming to believe the Bible, reject such things as a six-day creation, a worldwide flood, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and the literal second coming. These are just a few of many biblical truths that fallible people sitting in judgment on the scriptures have thrown out. That's not a path any of us should ever take. So to finish today, why is it so crucial to submit our own judgment to the word of God rather than vice versa? Wednesday, January 4, The Holy Spirit as Teacher The Holy Spirit is instrumental not only in giving us the written word of God, 
but also in helping us understand it properly. Human beings are darkened in their understanding of truth. They are by nature alienated from God, as it reads in Ephesians 4.18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. That's why the same Spirit who revealed and inspired the Word of God is the one who enables us to understand it. The problem is not that the Bible is an obscure book. The problem is our sin-tainted attitude toward God, who reveals himself in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is a teacher who desires to lead us into a deeper understanding of Scripture and a joyful appreciation of the Bible. He brings the truth of God's Word to our attention and gives us fresh insights into those truths so that our lives can be characterized by faithfulness and a loving obedience to God's will. This can happen, though, only if we approach the Bible with a humble and teachable heart. Question. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. What does the Apostle Paul write about our need to interpret spiritual things spiritually? 1 Corinthians 2.13 These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In our understanding of the Bible, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the spiritual significance of the biblical words is not discerned, only its linguistic meaning. Furthermore, as sinful human beings, we often are opposed to God's truth, not because we do not understand it, but because we would prefer not to follow it. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no affection for God's message. There is no hope, no trust, and no love in response. What the Spirit brings to life is in harmony with the truth already proclaimed in the Bible. And so to finish today, first of all, a quote from the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, January 27, 1885, with Ellen White writing, Many contradictory opinions in regard to what the Bible teaches do not arise from any obscurity in the book itself, but from blindness and prejudice on the part of interpreters. Men ignore the plain statements of the Bible to follow their own perverted reason. End of quote. How has your pride been a stumbling stone that has hindered you from implementing the truth of Scripture in your life? In what areas do your own desires keep you from accepting God's truth in your life? How can you learn to surrender everything to God? Thursday, January 5. The Holy Spirit and the Word. The Holy Spirit, who has revealed and inspired the content of the Bible to human beings, will never lead us contrary to God's Word in any way. 
question. Read John chapter 5, verse 39, 46 and 47. And John chapter 7, verse 38. What authority does Jesus refer to in these texts? How does the Bible confirm that Jesus is the Messiah? First of all, John chapter 5 and verse 39. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings... How will you believe my words? And John chapter 7 verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Some people claim to have received special revelations and instructions from the Holy Spirit that go against the clear message of the Bible. For them, the Holy Spirit has attained a higher authority than God's word. Whenever the inspired and written word of God is nullified and its clear message is evaded, we walk on dangerous ground and do not follow the leading of God's Spirit. The Bible is our only spiritual safeguard. It alone is a reliable norm for all matters of faith and practice. In Desire of Ages, page 671, we read, Through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses truth upon the heart. Thus, He exposes error and expels it from the soul. It is by the Spirit of Truth working through the Word of God that Christ subdues His chosen people to Himself. Ellen White has made it abundantly clear in The Great Controversy, page 9, that The Spirit was not given, nor can it ever be bestowed, to supersede the Bible. For the Scriptures explicitly state that the Word of God is the standard by which all teaching and experience must be tested. End of quote. The Holy Spirit is never given to replace the Word of God. He rather works in harmony with and through the Bible to draw us to Christ thus making the Bible the only norm for authentic biblical spirituality. We can be sure that when someone comes making claims that are in contradiction to the Word of God, that person is not speaking the truth. We can't judge hearts or motives. We can, though, judge theology, and the only standard we have to judge it with is the Word of God. And so to finish the day, What are some of the teachings that people are trying to promote in the church that are clearly contrary to the Word of God? What should our response be to, one, the people promoting these errors, and two, the errors themselves? Friday, January 6. Think about all the truth that we know only because it has been revealed to us in the Bible. Think, for instance, about creation. What a contrast between what the Word of God teaches about how we were created and how humanity teaches we were created, that is, through the process of what is now called the Neo-Darwinian Synthesis. Look at how wrong humans have it. 
Think, too, about the second coming of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead at the end of the age. These are truths that we could never learn on our own. They have to be revealed to us, and they are in the Word of God, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the most important truth of all, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that we are saved through faith in Him and His works for us, is a truth that we never could have figured out on our own. We know it only because it has been revealed to us. Think about other truths that we know only because they have been told to us through the Word of God. What should the fact that such crucial truths are found only in the Bible tell us about how central the Word of God needs to be in our lives? And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. Why is the Bible a safer guide in spiritual questions than our subjective impressions? What are the consequences when we do not accept the Bible as the standard by which we test all teachings and even our spiritual experiences? 2. We often hear the word truth used in a variety of contexts. In class, talk about the concept of truth, not just what is true or what is not true, but about what it means when we say that something is true. What does it mean for something to be true. 3. How should your church react if someone claims to have new light? 4. Flesh out the radical difference between how the Bible teaches we were created and what human wisdom teaches. What human wisdom teaches, that is, the latest understanding of evolutionary theory, is completely contrary to the Bible message. What should that tell us about why we must trust the Bible above everything else. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled A Gift in the Forest, Part 1. Situated in Europe, Poland emerged as a nation in the 10th century AD. During the next millennium, two of Poland's neighbours, the Kingdom of Prussia, modern-day Germany, and the Russian Empire, became powerful. In 1795, these two countries divided Poland between themselves and removed it from the world map. Following World War I, Poland regained its independence. Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union both invaded Poland during World War II. Some six million Poles, half of whom were Jewish, died during the war. At the close of the war, a communist government was installed in Poland behind the Soviet Iron Curtain. In 1989, free elections ushered in a new government, which began the fall of communism in Europe. More than half of Poland is agricultural or woodlands. It's a haven for many animals, including the woysent, or the European bison, brown bear, grey wolf and moose. Some 25% of European migratory birds breed each summer in Poland's wetlands. The first king of Poland, Majewsko, became a Christian in AD 966 and formed Poland as a sovereign Christian state. The Roman Catholic Church is still a powerful force in Poland. During World War II, 
Germany and the Soviet Union outlawed the Seventh-day Adventist Church. All church properties were taken away and some members were sent to Siberia. After the war, the Adventist Church was re-established and started to grow again. In 1990, Richard Jankowski, the Polish Union youth leader at the time, had a dream. He wanted a youth camp where young people could be trained for service. The church had no land, no money, and no idea where they could get either. But Rysand sensed that God was in the dream, so he began searching. We want a place where children and youth could spend time in nature and learn about God, a place where they could see the Creator and learn to love Him, Rysard said. They wanted this camp to have electricity and water, be on a lake, and have some basic buildings. One day, Richard found a place called Zatoni, a government-owned camp on a lake in western Poland. The buildings on the campground were in poor condition, but they could be made useful. I believe that God wanted us to have Zatoni, Richard said. The campsite was worth $200,000, but the union didn't have money to buy the land, the buildings or furniture. But as our committee discussed the possibilities, the telephone rang. Someone in Denmark was offering us free furniture. They would even deliver it. Rissard knew that God would provide the rest if this was his will. And we'll read the rest of that story next week. Have a great Sabbath. (laughs) 